So, Bob Pornstein, I, I want to welcome you to this only second episode of the podcast to be named later. Uh, I imagine as this, the, the themes behind um, this podcast uh, kind of rise to the surface, it'll, you know, we'll come up with a catchier title than the podcast to be named later. Yeah. But that's what we're working on. Good idea. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You got to start somewhere, right? You got to start. Right. That's true. Yeah. So formally, formally, you have the professional uh, title of community relations director at the Jewish Federation of Greater Portland. And how how many years have you been been doing that? Well, I started the year after my bar mitzvah. No, just kidding. Um, so uh, actually, um, the middle of this month uh, was 26 years. 26 years. Yeah. That, that, that would be in a, itself. Yeah. yeah that yeah. is an accomplishment right there. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. They haven't kicked me out yet. So, you know, I'm still going. Well, you're obviously doing something right. That, <laughs> that's clear. That's clear. But that that's But that's just your official title is your formal title i mean informally you know how would you describe yourself well uh that's a very interesting question um i guess i would start by saying that i am a husband and a father so i'm married to doris which um yeah, many folks in the community know my wife of course and uh and i have three children um two adult children um, that live on the East Coast, my daughter, Hadas, and my oldest son, Matan, who's uh, Hadas is in Philadelphia, and Matan is in New York, and Hadas is married to David. Um, and then we have a younger son who is going to be a, well, he is a senior at Wilson High School, and it's going to be a very, of course, challenging year. So I, I would say, first and foremost, I am, you know, I am a, a, a husband and a father, and then I would, beyond that, um, I would say, you know, what, it's interesting when I'm asked to identify, what, what is my identity? Um, and I used this at a program recently, it was called Building Bridges back way back in the fall when we could actually meet in person. And, and I said, you know, my, my identity is, um, I'm, I'm sure when people see me, they think, okay, white, white male. I don't identify that way. Obviously, I am a white male. I'm an Ashkenazi Jew, but I identify first and foremost as an American Jew. And I identify as a Zionist. Um, I have a love for Israel, having lived there for a short time, um, but also having visited there, I, I, I've lost track now, but over 20 times. Um, and and I have a deep connection to to our Jewish homeland. And beyond that, of course, um, I am a professional in the Jewish community um, that does um, the political stuff, public affairs, which I find very meaningful. Um, and I also am a freelance writer. So I write for a, a uh, Israeli English magazine that comes out every couple of weeks called the Jerusalem Report, which is associated with the Jerusalem Post newspaper, which is um, uh, you can still get the actual printed version of it, but um, it's also, of course, online. So I guess that's probably in a nutshell um, how I would describe myself. 
Well, I, 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 I very much respect how you, you described yourself in a way that can't necessarily be put into uh, a, a simple category here or a, a box o over there. Um, and I, I definitely, I definitely encourage uh, those listening, you know, to uh, to to do a Google search and to you know read some of your uh, of your freelance uh, writing. I bet that they would find it very very interesting. Um, but but as follow up, I, I I have to ask, you know, I have to ask when when it, whenever you're dealing with issues of of identity or how we want to be presented, um, that can always be misconstrued. It, it can be um, uh, or misinterpreted, or people want to put you in a box. Whether you want to be in that box yourself. So when you said that, you know, you, you described yourself as a, a Zionist, a strong supporter of Israel. Um, my goodness, has that has that gotten you uh, uh, gotten you into 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 some trouble in, um, in not only in years past, but you know, just for as political as our community and as our country and the world has become, um, has that. Um, you know, has I got you in this deep water? Well, that's a good question. I, I think that um, I wouldn't say deep water, no, <clears throat> but you're right. I think people tend to label you, um, you know, label people. And so, yeah, I, I have been labeled. No, and when I say that, that I'm a Zionist and I am a, a supporter of Israel, um, it often gets confused with um, that means by definition, I support the government of Israel and I support the policies of the government of Israel. And that's not what I'm saying. I mean, there are, look, Israel's had many, many governments, uh, even in the time I've been with the Jewish Federation, um, and they've pursued very different policies. What I mean by it is, and I always, um, you know, I always uh, try to, get other people to distinguish between policies of a government uh, that they oppose and the country that we're talking about, whether it's Israel or America. And so um, I may not be a fan of a particular government of Israel, but that doesn't lessen my connection to our ancestral Jewish homeland. And when I am there in Israel, uh, I feel um, it, it's a different feeling because whereas here, uh, even though I'm white, I never have felt part of the so-called you know white majority. I don't feel that that's who I am. Now, I understand I have some degree of white privilege because of my skin color, but I never felt like I was part of the majority. I've always felt as a minority, but in Israel... Um, you you know, if you're Jewish, of course, you are part of a majority and you feel more a part of a people. So there's that aspect. There is the just having, you know, in knowing that Israel is just this depository of our history and our heritage um, is something that um, that I have a strong connection to. So it, it, it doesn't we're not talking about the political plane here. We're talking about uh, an emotional 
plane, a spiritual plane. That's um, that's what I mean by it. Do I ever get in, you know, deep water? I mean, look, um, there are disagreements within our community and outside of our community about about Israeli policy, and so uh, there are, there are some Israeli policies or positions that I can can and will defend, and there are others that I won't defend or even will criticize. So it really has nothing to do with that. But what what I what I've seen is that so few people are willing to look at identity like that uh, from a more nuanced or more uh, complicated per perspective. You know, they they want to they want to attach a label. In in other words, um, yes. So uh, yeah. So it, it, look, I'll, I'll just add. I'll just add that you know we have uh, dialogues with uh, with folks from the local uh, African American community. And one of the issues that always comes up is, you know, do you see yourself as part of white privilege? And mm. and look, I, I understand and fully understand. I'm not going to get pulled over by a police officer because of the color of my skin. Okay, so yes, there is there is that aspect of white privilege. Now, beyond that, um, if I am I comfortable, um, for example, would I be comfortable? Uh, going out in public with a yarmulke on in certain parts of our country? The answer is not in every part of our country, not in certain rural parts of our country would I feel comfortable doing that, uh, knowing uh, that there has been an alarming rise in um, hate incidents against our community. So, so while, yes, I have white skin, um, it doesn't mean that that I am, that I, I, that I can identify as someone who has just you know, 100% white privilege. I just don't, it's not how I see myself. You know, the, these are uh, amazing days that we're, we're going through. Uh, you know, it's involved so much um, self-reflection, um, review, like wh what have we, what have we experienced? Um, where have we um, had advantages? You know, based mm -hmm. upon outward appearances, uh, or where have we had disadvantages based upon what we may believe? Um, it it is absolutely intriguing um, how in flux um, so much of our um, identity or our, our self awareness is, um, uh, and yes. it's so much been this 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 perfect storm of of um, economics and. Um, race relations and the the COVID nineteen virus and pandemic and politics and the election year and so on and and so on. Mm -hmm. um, with, with all of this that has been been going on, you know, all of this upheaval that we we've been experiencing. Um, I mean, you, you you mentioned to a degree that you know that you have a spiritual side, but I mean, would you would you describe yourself? As, as a as a spiritual person you know i was thinking about this um i don't i don't describe myself as spiritual or not spiritual i think that i have spiritual moments mm. and um and you know for example 
um, when I'm in Israel and when I'm in Jerusalem and when I'm um, praying at the Western Wall, that to me is a deeply spiritual moment. Um, when, as we get closer to certain of our holiday observances, certainly what we're coming up, uh, you know, with with Rosh Hashanah and, and Yom Kippur, I feel that those are spiritual moments for me. I mean, that's not, you know, for everybody, but for me, um, or Pesach is for me very spiritual, um, hosting a Seder in our home and going through and telling the story. That is spiritual for me. Do I always feel that way? Not necessarily. We get caught up in everyday life. We get caught up in our work. And so I, I guess that's how I would answer that. To me, there are spiritual moments in my life that I appreciate, um, but I wouldn't say I'm a spiritual person or, or not a spiritual person. I just don't think of myself in that sort of way. Well, the, the, one of the reasons I asked that question is that um, nowadays, so many people are are trying to tap into their spiritual side to take care of themselves and mm -hmm. to take care of their loved ones, their 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 kids, um, whoever they're they're close with. Um, in 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 light of of the the pandemic and all of the restrictions that we've had to experience, well, how have you been taking care of yourself? Yeah, that's. <laughs> And it's not just the pandemic, as you point out, there's so many different things. Look, first of all, I feel blessed that I have a job because Ooh. I realize that, you know, what I don't even know what the number current number is, 30 million Americans who don't have a job and countless others who may have a job, but it's not a, you know, a, a living wage. And so I feel blessed um, that I can work from home and um, that I have that opportunity, that I have a paycheck so that I can, you know, certainly help support my family. That That's number one. Um, you know, it is difficult because um, I have two older kids on the East Coast and we haven't seen them since January. Yes, of course, we can do Zoom with them. We can do FaceTime with them. Um, my daughter was supposed to come uh, this month, in fact, next week. And she's a nurse practitioner. She works with elderly uh, patients. She can't risk getting infected. She was hoping when she booked the ticket that we would be in a better place nationally, but we're not. So that's a frustration. I haven't seen my my oldest son uh, as well. Um, and so, uh, although he's hoping to come maybe for the, for the high holy days, we'll see. So that's, that's difficult. And my youngest son, I can tell you, it's been challenging because he's, you know, he's, look, he, he hasn't uh, had a normal routine since the middle of March. School ended in a sense, um, you know, it was online, but it wasn't well planned out at the time. Uh, hopefully, when we start back in the in next month, it'll be better planned. But it's been challenging for him um, because his his whole routine has been turned upside down. And so we, you know, we're tr just you know, my wife and I, Doris and I, are, we're trying to be as encouraging to our kids as we can be, knowing that you know, my daughter says, "Who knows when we'll see each other next?" Um, we don't have an answer. We're hoping we can go back east for Thanksgiving. Will we be able to? Nobody knows. So um, I guess, you know, working every day um, during the, you know, during the work week, um, certainly being focused on, for me, on these important political issues, social issues, 
is a way to, you know, keep my mind busy. If I was, if I was unemployed, I mean, not only would I have that concern about how would I support my family, but also just too much time to stew in all of this because it would be easy to go negative right now with what's happening um, with the pandemic, with the economic situation, with the political situation, with the the rise in anti-Semitism and hate that we've experienced over the last three or four years. I mean, it would be easy to get caught up in that. But, you know, I think it's really important to reach out, uh, connect with friends and family, um, you know, your you know, cousins, um, even if they live elsewhere, to make sure that we're just staying in touch with one another, uh, even though we aren't necessarily seeing each other, um, you know, up close and in person. Do you think that one of the um, unintended positive aspects of of this, you know, pandemic and all of the stresses and pressures is that it's allowed us to kind of distill our priorities and and really focus in on what what's important. I mean, has that been a way that you've been able you've been able to use that as a way to navigate? Um, hmm. you know, I, look for everyone prior, everyone has different priorities. Um, we've, I mean, for us, we've always been very close as a nuclear family. So, um, that's always been our number one priority. Um, beyond that, you mentioned, you know, self-reflection. Am I biased? You know, um, should I be thinking about that? How am I biased? How is that uh, manifesting itself? What can I, you know, with the, you know, the, it's not as if we didn't know this, but, but, you know, the systemic racism in our society, uh, we knew we need to prioritize that because it's gone on for way too long. And we, um, outside of the black community or outside of the communities of color, we have not been a strong enough ally um during this most recent time. I mean, I'm not talking about the, the protests, I'm talking about in the last decade, two decades, since the civil rights movement. How can we make a difference? How can we be supportive? How can we make sure that we're doing our part to affect change in our society? You know, um, also thinking about, look, I'm a, I'm a native Oregonian and I can tell you, and I went to high school in the late 70s, and um, I never learned about the shameful history of discrimination in, in my home state. And now, um, through some programming that the Federation is doing, but also um, just um, learning from others about, the, um, about that history and how it was whitewashed in our history classes that we never learned about this, this um, really, it's just a black stain on our state and, and our, on our nation. And I think that it's important for us to prioritize that sort of learning so that we, because you can't really 
make change in the future if you don't understand how we got here in the first place. So it's important to understand uh, and learn about that history. So yeah, there are certain priorities that have risen to the top besides, and I'm talking about besides those personal type of uh, you know, um, family related priorities that are for me always at the top, um, caring for my wife and our, and our, our children. So, um, and then making sure that those we love are okay. And that's obviously, but beside, aside from that, I'm talking about these other societal issues that have really now, that you can no longer ignore and they have to be priorities for, for people of goodwill. You know, I, what, what, you, what you just um, described um, brought, uh, brought, to the, brought to the surface for me, um, the response within my family of my moving out to the Pacific Northwest, because I'm the, I'm the first of my family to, to move out here. And for so, so many people in my family, you know, um, Oregon and Washington, they're like concepts, they're like ideas. So they really don't know what's going on out here. Um, so what they're what they're learning about Portland in particular is the aftermath of all of the protests and the and the demonstrations. And they keep asking me, "What is going on out there? Like <laughs> you guys are spiraling out of control." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no. You you, you don't you don't get it. You don't get it. You 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 have to." you know, get a much broader view of what's going on. And it, it very much lines up with what you described. It, it's almost like a reckoning. Mm -hmm. Coming to terms with our um, our state's history, um, the culture, um, the economics, the politics. And that's been one of the intriguing things for me and, and very humbling and, and very enlightening um, about how we're really in a hard way facing our history. Um, and it, it's not, to me, this is not destructive. Um, to me, this is incredibly constructive and it could be incredibly productive. Um, I just hope it goes that way. Um, but yeah, I'm, and, and I'm by the way, it right now. So. Yeah, it, it's not just us. It's not just yeah. Oregon, certainly. I mean, I, I had the, the privilege of going down to the American South uh, a little over a year ago on a uh, civil rights mission to learn more about the civil rights movement. And when I went to, uh, when we were in Montgomery and we went to the, uh, the, the legacy um, memorial, which is a memorial of lynching victims um, from every county in certainly, you know, in the South mostly, but not just the South. I mean, there was Ohio and West Virginia and other states that are not thought of as being in the South. And one of the things, so so there are these these metal slabs, if you will, with the the names and dates of individuals that were lynched and the date they were lynched. And then outside, right outside of that, there is a there are duplicates. And the question is, why do they have duplicates? Well, they have duplicates because they want every county to come and take that duplicate and display it so that they own up to their own you know, uh, racist past. And I, I'll be curious to know, I haven't, I don't know um, at this point uh, how many have done that, but um, there is a reckoning that we are all part of that has to take place. And, um, and so we have to do our own part. Um, you know, in Oregon, I think there was one lynching in Oregon. Um, 
down on the coast somewhere but but you know but we have our own you know, look we have we had a constitution that excluded black people from living here and and we've we've had a um, a record of discrimination against asian people we've had obviously a record we have a look in my own lifetime there were obviously uh, clubs and other places that didn't allow jews and blacks so um and you know while those have been rectified we still we still have that history that we need to know about well i i, I hope that those um those duplicates are like you said they're they're brought back home uh, because we uh, i agree with you 110 percent we we have got to um, name our past and we have to admit um, and uh, um, and realize that this is a part of who we are whether we like yeah. it or not yeah it's the same with the uh, confederate statues i mean yeah. uh, you know what what did they, they didn't symbolize this this they weren't they weren't benign symbols of southern heritage they were symbols of white supremacy and i don't think people you know, really understood. I mean, people who are not deep, who are not connected um, in the South, uh, you know, people certainly outside of the South, I don't think people understood that. I really don't. I think the most Americans didn't understand, you know, okay, Robert E. Lee, you know, he was, he was a great general. Right. Okay. What did he stand for though? You know, he stood for a system of white supremacy. And is that what we want you know, in our malls and, um, you know, in front of our Capitol buildings and so on. So I think, yeah, it's just part of that reckoning that we, we really have to go through. Oh, with, with, without a doubt. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like I have learned more American history warts and all in the last year than I have learned my entire life. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been good. It's been good. Um, I, um, it, it, it's, but but it, but in a way though, it's I've, I've felt a, a degree of almost in, in embarrassment of my goodness. You know, I, I made it. You know, to my early fifties, having no idea. You know, and 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 I always looked at myself as as educated, as aware, as knowledgeable. Well, not really. Yeah, but you were you were taught. <laughs> You weren't taught this, you know. I mean, I went to Woodrow Wilson High School. My kids go to, have gone to, and still going to Woodrow Wilson High School, named after a president who was a racist, who was a supporter of the Ku Klux Klan. A middle school that feeds into Wilson is named after Andrew Jackson. You know, when I was younger, never even occurred to me to think, okay, what kind of people were they? Forget that they, you know, that Jackson was a slave owner. It was much worse than that. I mean, you know, what he did to the indigenous population in this country is shameful. And yet we have a middle school named after him. So thankfully now um, those things are going to change, starting with Wilson High School. And, I, you know, it's just like you said, it's just um, I don't think we should be embarrassed uh, because we weren't taught that, you know, um, but. But but we do now have an obligation to learn about it and to rectify the situation, um, you know, where where there are still serious issues. Well, in, in, in that spirit, in that spirit, you know, since we're you know weeks away, a, a, a 
presidential election and then the whole transition somehow some way of of of, of power um what are what are your plans like what what's, what's on your what's on your wish list the things that you want to do between now and oh i don't know early 2021 uh well, um, continuing on this theme, uh, you know, with certainly in my professional work, um, we are you know, planning a series of webinars about the history of discrimination as it existed uh, against certain minority communities here in the state, starting with the Black community and then moving on to the Indigenous community, the Latinx community, the LGBTQ community. Uh, possibly the Asian community and so on, and and also looking at anti at the history of anti-Semitism in our state. So that's something I'm very proud of um, building. Uh, just continuing to, I mean, the programs are important, but it's really about the relationship building with these other communities where we have so much in common, and we have a history of um, discrimination, persecution. Um, we, we need to make sure that we're standing together against any sort of bigotry and hate. So I'm really proud of that. Um, you know, as far as the upcoming election, I'm very concerned about voter suppression. And so if there's anything that, uh, we can do either, you know, professionally or even personally to make sure that every vote is going to count between, um, you know, now and November 3rd, um, that's something that we just cannot, we can't go back to a time where, um, you know, where people earned with blood the right to vote and then um, their vote never gets counted. That's just unacceptable in this country. So we have to make sure that our democracy is strengthened in that way. And, you know, and the other thing that, that I'm hoping for is I'll be able to see see the rest of my family um, at some point before the end of the calendar year. That's, um, I guess we're shooting for Thanksgiving um, to, to hopefully get together. But um, so that's, that's something. And, you know, look, I'm hoping that we don't go through um, a really bad fall in terms of um, COVID. But at this point, I'm not really optimistic. Um, but we, um, you know, I think people around me, I know that friends that I know, family, they're all doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I just wish that others would be considerate um, and do what they're supposed to do, wear a mask, socially distance, so that we can once and for all um, get this thing down to a manageable level. And um, I don't know what it's going to take. May have to, you know, may need a change in, in, um, you know, in our government, but um, I hope it, you know, I hope we can deal with it sooner than that. Well, I, I obviously, I, I hope that your family um, remains you know safe and and healthy and that uh i mean that would be that would be poetic you know if uh, for the thanksgiving holiday we're, we're able to have you know reunions all across the the, the country um 
And just in addition to that, look, I really appreciate the time that, that you gave me for this for this conversation. Thank you for your you know, years and years of, of service uh, to our to our community, our region, and our and our and our country. And thank you, you know, for for taking your interpretation of Jewish values and 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 Jewish wisdom and you know putting it into action you know, to to make our our, our country just a, a better place for everybody. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, when I'm asked, you know, you know, aren't you bored? You've been there for 26 years. And no, my answer is no. I mean, if I was bored, I would have left. I, I mean, this work, um, as you know, is extremely meaningful to me. And um, and I feel like not just me, but all of us, um, we're that we are making a difference. Um, it doesn't always show up right away, but ultimately, I think um, we're all trying to make this world a better place. And I think um, that we are achieving that um, to a large degree. So, so I appreciate the opportunity, and I thank you for your for your friendship. And um, and to and I'm glad you're a colleague of mine, and I'm happy to uh, have further conversations down the road.